Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me, please? Let's open in a word of prayer. Then let's just empty our hearts and praise the Lord. Amen? Let's just let them know we love them. Let's thank them for another week. Amen? Another week. We're still standing. Another week. We're still enjoying the blessings of the redeemed. Another week. And his presence is still with us. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much, Lord, that we can gather in your name. Once was a time that many of us didn't want to come to your house. Didn't want to sing songs of praise. But, oh, Lord, we're so thankful that you opened our eyes from that blindness. And you gave us new hearts, hearts that enjoy blessing and honoring and singing songs of praise and thanksgiving. And we thank you for the privilege that we can be here this morning. Not only to enjoy our brothers and sisters, fellowship and encourage one another, but most of all, that we can just set our gaze on you, Lord Jesus. And from the depths of our heart, express our love and adoration. For you are great and you are greatly to be praised. And if you believe that, would you give them a hand clap and just bless the Lord. And let's worship the Lord. Let's bless him with all our hearts this morning.
love you. We love you, Lord Jesus, with all that is within us. And we thank you so much that you first loved us. We thank you, Jesus, for the privilege this morning to know that we're saved, to know that we've passed from death unto life, to know that our sins, which for many, have been washed, and we are now whiter than snow. We stand before you righteous and pure. We thank you, Jesus. And we count it a privilege to worship you. We count it a privilege to serve you and to live for you. We thank you, Lord, for the riches of your salvation, the assurance of not only abundant life here, but eternal life in your presence. Jesus, we love you. You are wonderful and you are worthy. Lord, we pray that you would just speak to our hearts this morning, that you would give each individual an in-season word, that by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to your sons and daughters a word that will be beneficial and helpful, a word that will encourage, a word that will comfort, a word that will inspire our faith, a word that will give us fresh revelation and understanding of your will and your ways. Oh, Father, with open ears and receptive hearts, we say, speak to us this morning, and may your word work, your good work in our hearts and our lives. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. Before the children are dismissed, remember Wednesday we begin VBS. So keep that in your prayers. And if you're coming out Wednesday night, VBS begins. You don't want to miss that. So bring your friends, bring your kids, bring everyone. And children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Hallelujah. We want to continue what we began last week, that third chapter of 1 Thessalonians. We've been in this book for about um, two, two months, and we've been in this chapter starting last week, and we want to continue trials and opportunities. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians, the third chapter, start with verse number 2. We'll just read a few verses, and then we'll get going. But the Bible says, we sent Timothy who is our brother and our co-worker or our fellow worker, God's fellow worker, in service and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. We stressed that last week, the potential of trials unsettling our faith. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you we would be persecuted and it turned out that way as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. And we'll pause right there. Now again, last week we covered these first five verses and we emphasized the importance of our faith. Five times in these few verses, Paul says, your faith, your faith. He was greatly concerned about their faith this is nothing more important than your faith in Christ and your faith in his word. But then we also saw that there is a real potential, a possibility that trials can unsettle and really discourage or do damage to the believer's faith. He said it right there. He said, my concern was that when this persecution came and you had to stand on your own, that somehow that trial might unsettle your faith. 
And that happens to some people. They don't develop a good foundation. That happens to some people. They never grow in God. They never mature and they never get out of infancy. When a real trial hits them, when life hits them with something that was unexpected and they're unprepared for, they're easy just to say, ah, and give up on God. And that's why it's important to develop your faith and have a firm, set, ready faith. Because as we said last time, you know, one thing about trials, they don't give you a prearranged date, amen? They don't call and confirm. Listen, I'm coming this Wednesday about 5 o'clock, right after dinner when you're ready to relax. Boom, I'm going to hit you with a tornado. Never does that. Trials are like this. Hey, ready or not, here we come, amen? When you least expect it, expect it. And that's why it's so important, friends, that we live ready. Because trials don't give you time to get ready. Can you say amen? That's why it's so important to feed your faith. So important to guard your faith. To be faithful in your devotion. To be faithful in your attendance. It's good to get around people of faith. Encourage each other's faith. It's good to exercise your faith and participate. Using your life and your gifts to serve the Lord. But this week is part two. And we're going to try to cover at least three different thoughts here. Number one, we want to cover a faithful minister. We'll look at Timothy a little bit. A faithful minister. But secondly, we'll talk about a good report. Paul was brought to a place of joy and thanksgiving. Because he got a good report. They did stand the test. Amen. They did weather the storm. And then lastly, an inspiring prayer. What you'll notice in the Bible, there are many prayers that God saw fit to record in the sacred text. And we pray for a lot of things. We have a lot of needs. But many times when I read these prayers, Ephesians, Philippians, all throughout the epistles, I say, Lord, we don't pray your prayers enough. Because when you read a prayer that's in the Bible, you see what God really emphasizes and where God puts a priority. And so we're going to look at that towards the end of this sermon. Number one, let's begin with a faithful minister. And we're talking about Timothy. Simply verse 2, Paul says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker, or God's fellow worker in service, in spreading the gospel, to strengthen and encourage your faith. You know, this is um, one thing about Timothy. He was always recorded as a faithful minister of Christ. And I want you to know this morning that God is looking for more people that will serve, more people that will lock arms with the body of Christ, that will get in on what God is doing, as Brother Floyd used to like to say. But God is looking for more men and women that will be faithful ministers in fact, here's a fuller description of Timothy. Philippians 2, 19 through 22. Here's a wonderful description of this young minister. Paul says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I also might be cheered when I receive news about you. Not only did he send him to the Thessalonians, he sent him to Philippians. Paul, uh, Timothy was a right hand of Paul. He was a young man that he, he loved. And he says, listen, I have no one else like him talking about Timothy, talking about a faithful minister, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Isn't that beautiful? He really cares about you. He's not just in it for for the prestige. He's not just in it because he likes to hear himself talk. He's in it because he really has a heart for you. There's a good sign of a genuine uh, minister or Sunday school teacher or, or youth worker, amen? Have a real heart for the kids. Have a real heart for those that God's entrusted to you. It's not just that you, you don't like to say, do something. You have a burden for those entrusted to your care. He says, for everyone looks out for their own interest. Paul's talking about people that were serving with him. He says, so many people uh, that want to serve, they look out for their own interest, but not those of Jesus Christ. Wow. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. 
there's always a proving time when it comes to serving. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. What a beautiful thought about Timothy. Timothy has a genuine, he's got a heart that is sincere for those that God has given him to minister to. He has a heart that is burdened, not about his own things, but about the things of Christ. He cares about what Jesus cares about. A faithful minister. I thank God this morning for the many devoted and faithful ministers and servants that we have here. The workers that we have here at Blessing Grove. Whether it's from the maintenance department all the way to the music department. Whether it's working the grounds or the girls in the boys' ministry. Whether it's the people of prayer or the people of visitation and compassion. Whether it's the Sunday school and all the various teachers and the children's workers. Thank the Lord for the ushers. Thank the Lord for those that food and they give and they carry out acts of kindness and compassion to others. We thank God for that. And you know, the words in verse 2 are very, very um, inspiring words because they're descriptions that God declares over those that serve him faithfully. And again, it's kind of a weird way they write it in the Greek, so some will call it co-workers with Paul. Others will write it co-workers with God. But really, it's speaking of both. When you're serving the Lord, you're a fellow worker with God. You're working with God to do his will on the earth as you're working with your other brothers and sisters that have also responded to the call. But verse 2 is real. It's a precious verse. It describes you who faithfully serve the Lord. It describes and ought to encourage you. Because it's a moving view of Christian service. Fellow workers with God. Co-laborers with Christ. And it's not an isolated verse. You'll see it throughout the scriptures. Ambassadors of Christ through whom God flows through. Fellow workers of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to talk about a faithful minister, we ask ourselves, what kind of people is God looking for in this hour? What kind of people does God want us to be that serve him? Whether, whether again, regardless of how we serve him, but we find our ministry and we give our best in serving the Lord by blessing people in his name. What kind of attributes is he looking for? Three traits that we can get from the description of Timothy in verse 2 and also in Philippians. Number one, notice in verse 2, Paul says, our brother Timothy. We sent Timothy, who is our brother? Timothy, number one, he was serving the Lord first and foremost. You see, you can't give what you don't have. You know, some people want involvement without a sincere devotion to Jesus Christ, but how many of you know that don't work that way? Oh, no, no, no. First things first. Get saved, live saved, and then get involved. That's how it works. Get saved, live saved, and then get... He called him a brother. No, you'd be amazed. Some people want to serve, but they don't want to live for God. How do you know that's not the Bible pattern? Anybody, come on. I know it's so simple, but we, brother, you gotta be a, you got to be in the family before you're going to minister to the family. Hallelujah. But secondly, he called him a servant or a minister. He worked with me in serving. What a thought. He was a worker. He had a genuine interest in the affairs of a, a worker. Timothy wasn't afraid to roll up his sleeves and give a faithful effort for the cause of Christ and for the church of Christ. You know, love and patience and commitment and effort and sacrifice are all part of. They're all required to serve the Lord and administer to others. And like Jesus, Timothy served and ministered by giving of himself to help and to bless other people, to contribute to the cause. 
We remember Jesus gave that great illustration in John 13. He washed feet. He said, here's an example for you to follow. It's not about being seen and it's not about um, having, you know, titles and all that kind of, but it's about serving others faithfully and lovingly. Again, Jesus, he said, I I didn't come myself. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life. And that's the heart of someone that wants to serve God. I want to give. If we study Jesus' teachings on ministry, one thing we come away with, Jesus taught, it's not what I can get, but it's what I can give that matters in his kingdom. Can you say amen? Here's some traits about Timothy. He's a faithful minister. And God looks for more faithful ministers. This is great needs, and there's many lives that need to be touched. But number one, he was a brother. He was saved. You got to fall in love with Jesus. Amen. If you fall in love with Jesus, then you get to minister to the people of Jesus. But secondly, he was considered a servant or a minister. That means he wasn't ashamed to give his time and his talent and his efforts for others. He would prepare properly. He would pray faithfully. He would show up on time and he would do the work that God had entrusted for him to do. But number three, notice he's a team player. This is Paul said he worked with me like a father works with a son. I was able to send him as part of our team. He was a team player. He was a fellow worker not only with God, but also with the other brothers and sisters. He was willing to lock arms with others, to participate and accomplish the task together. He was willing to fulfill his role and faithfully help others fulfill their roles. For we have different callings and different giftings and different temperaments, but we have the common goal of glorifying Christ and ministering to his people. And it's called to work together. We're part of a body. We're part of a family. We're part of the same team. We're we're, we're not competing with one another. We should be complementing one another as we work towards the common goal together. In fact, this week, you'll see a beautiful illustration of that. If you come by VBS, you'll, you'll see a host of people. You'll see young. You'll see old. Some have been preparing weeks in advance. Some are going to pour the drink. Some are going to teach the class. Some are going to make things explode in a science project to give the kids an, an illustration of something about God. And it's it's neat. You'll see so many different people. Some will be singing. Some will be coloring faces. Everyone's working together for the cause of seeing young children touch for Jesus Christ. And see, it doesn't matter who does what or who gets this. We all work together and God sees it all. Amen. And so if we're going to work for the Lord, God says, be a team player. Amen. Be a team player. You don't got to be a star of the show, but do something faithfully. Support your brother and sister faithfully and let God use your life. Now, here's the key, though. As we study this thought, the fact that God would describe us as fellow workers and co-laborers. What a thought. Why don't you think about that? In the old NIV, in the New American Standard, he's considered um, Timothy a fellow laborer of Jesus Christ, a co-laborer. Now, the thought that God would describe us as his fellow laborers ought to greatly inspire us and encourage us as we give our best to serve God. You see, regardless of how you serve the Lord, regardless of how you minister to the people of God, remember that when when we minister to others, we're really ministering to Christ. And remember these thoughts. Faithful Christian service speaks of, number one, a privilege. It speaks of, number two, a responsibility. And number three, it speaks of an authority. Let me walk through these with you. Number one, it's a privilege. Number one, it's a privilege. Friend, it is an honor not a burden to serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Don't don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. It's just like salvation. Salvation, friend. Let's never forget. Salvation 
It's a privilege. It's an honor. So just like salvation, may I never forget, service for my king is a great privilege. Jesus Christ has done so much for me. Woe is me to ever act like, oh, it's such a burden for me to show up. It's such a burden for me to sacrifice a little bit. Oh, that's defilement in the ears of God. Such speak, such selfishness to the one that went to a cross. Oh, man. Hallelujah. We allow the seeker-friendly nonsense to get so deep in the church that we become a very selfish generation. And it's all about what's in it for me when we serve the one that came and gave his all for us. If we're going to serve the Lord, number one, let's remember it is a privilege to serve Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're pouring the Kool-Aid out this weekend. That is an honor to do it unto Jesus. He said when you do it to the least of them, guess what? You've done it unto me. Come on, say amen to that. Jesus has done so much, and now, what a privilege that by his Holy Spirit, he'll work in us and he'll work through us. It's unto the Lord we do whatever we do. I know a lot of the men try to keep these grounds, and they do it with a sense of privacy. They do it unto the Lord. They do it because they know it represents the Lord Jesus, and this is his church. So whatever we do, listen, we do it unto the Lord. There might only be three kids that go to Sunday school, but you know what? They're going to get the best lesson I can give them. And I'm going to pray for those three during the week. They're on my prayer list. Amen. And I'm going to give them the best I can. If I just got 20 minutes, they're going to get the best 20 minutes that I can communicate to a four-year-old by the grace of God. Hallelujah. God is so worthy. God is so worthy. Number one, it's a privilege. Think about it, those of you that teach. Those of you that teach, you have the privilege of handling the very words of God. Wow. And communicating them to his very own. What a privilege. Amen? That's why James says there's quite a standard. There's quite a, uh, uh, on that. Number one, it's a privilege to serve the Lord. But number two, when he calls us co-laborers, it speaks of the responsibility we have to fulfill our calling in the days we have to live. We're, We're stewards of this call. Each generation is responsible before God to do their best to reach the world, but also to care for those in that local body, that it would be a healthy body and a strong body. We're responsible to our families. We've been entrusted with the gospel. The care of God's people have been given to each generation. That's no small thing. That's no small thing. How many times you read in the scripture and the Bible would say something like, and God looked for a man. He looked for a worker, but found none. He was looking for someone to meet a need. He was looking for someone that would carry the load. Someone that would fulfill the task. Somebody that would rise up in a time of crisis. Who can forget the words of Jesus when he said, but the laborers are few. The the needs are great. The burdens are many. But the laborers were few. And friend, it's up to you and I to make sure that we fulfill our responsibility in our lifetime that we fulfill our obligation to our church and to our world for the cause of Jesus Christ. We must be. As the prophet said, here I am, send me. And we must be willing, ready, and faithful volunteers to fill in the role and to carry out the cause of Jesus Christ. When it comes to being a faithful minister, let's never forget it's a privilege to serve the Lord. Secondly, it's a responsibility to fulfill our call in our lifetime. Can you say amen? 
And number three, it speaks not only of privilege and responsibility, it speaks of authority. It speaks of authority. Friend, listen, when you serve the Lord, I don't care what you're doing, passing out tracts, singing, children's church. When you serve the Lord, you're taking meals to someone that's hurting, doing some compassion ministry. When you serve the Lord, you do so with confidence and expectation because what you do matters and what you do, God will richly bless. Don't ever forget that. What you do matters. How often the devil says, well, it's not that important. The devil is a liar. I'm saying what you do matters and what you do, God desires to bless in his name. Whatever you do for the Lord, do it with confidence and do it with expectation. If you're a part of the prayer teams, pray with confidence and expectation. If you're teaching, whether it's the adult or the children, go forth with confidence and expectation. If you're going to witness this on, do so expecting God to use your words. If you're in the music ministry, the compassion ministry, expect the Lord to bless those meals. Expect the Lord to use the outstretch of your love to other people. Remember that we've been commissioned and we've been equipped and we've been anointed by Jesus Christ to do his works. Did not he say you shall receive power after the spirit comes on you to be witnesses unto me? We don't get the spirit's power to act weird and look weird. We get the spirit's power so we can serve the Lord and carry out his task to the ends of the earth. Can you say amen? How many about that great commission? Jesus is all power and authority. And heaven and earth belongs to me. Therefore go and preach and teach this word to all the nations. You make disciples and you know what? I am with you always. What a thought. When you're teaching Sunday school, I am with you always. When you're doing children's church, I am with you always. When you feel a burden to go witness to your neighbor that God's put on your heart, I am with you always. And I gave you the power of my spirit to help you minister effectively in my name. Somebody, if you're going to serve the Lord, do so with the authority, the expectation, and the confidence knowing you don't do it in your strength, you do it in His. You're not doing it for His, for your glory. You're doing it for His. Whatever you do for Jesus, do it with faith, do it with love. Do it with confidence and do it with an expectation because you are serving and ministering in His name with His Spirit for His cause and He will bless and use your faithful efforts. Somebody say amen. You see, listen, don't ever, don't ever let the devil lie to you and tell you, what do I have to offer? Or my efforts don't matter. The devil is a liar. Somebody say amen to that. The devil is a liar. And listen, little is much when God is in it. Come on, say that with me. Little is much when God is in it. I'm saying just a shepherd's rod. But when God is in it, the Red Sea opens wide. Just a smooth stone and a little boy swing. But when God is in it, giants come toppling down. I mean just a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. But when God is in it, the widow can outlast the famine. Somebody, you can outlast that trial. You can outlast that battle. You can go through it. The devil is a liar. Just don't give up. Keep trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Keep casting your burden upon Him. He is your burden bearer and He is still mighty to save. Somebody, don't you give up but keep looking up and calling on Him who is faithful forever. Say amen. Little is much when God is in it. 
Even just a little witnessing. Does it matter? You better believe it matters. But as little as much when God is in it. Just a little servant girl. She was a captive. She was captive by one of the mightiest generals in the Syrian army. Her master got sick. She's not even supposed to, you're supposed to speak when spoken to. She's just a little servant. Captive. But she spoke up anyhow. She said, oh, my master. If he could get to Israel, there's a living God in Israel. <laughs> oh, and I know these other gods, they, they might, you bow to one, but they're stones. I mean, you bow to them, but they're statues. They got ears, but can't hear. They got eyes that can't see. But if he can get to Israel, the living God dwells in Israel. The God that has no limits and he knows no boundaries. He's in Israel. If you can get to the living God, there are no limits. He'll tear the lid off your limitations because he's great and mighty to save. And she just shared a little testimony if he can just get to the God of Israel everything's going to be alright somebody if you can just get to Jesus everything is going to be alright neighbor if you can just get to Jesus you've tried this you've tried that come on now it's time to come to the Lord it's time to get serious about the Lord it's time to stop playing church and get real and devoted in your commitment to Christ You know the story. He went down. An international miracle. A mighty general gets converted. Why? Because little is much when God is in it. Just a little witness. Just a little testimony. Just a few words. But when the Spirit of God breathes on those words, it's amazing what can happen. Hallelujah. Because little is much when God is in it. Jesus said, you feed them. What do you mean us, Lord? There's 10,000 of them. We just got a couple slices of bread and a few minnows here. What is this among so many? (sighs) We look at ourselves. What is this, Lord? The needs are huge. The situation is huge. What is, look at me, Lord. What do I got? In yourself, not much, but when I get on it. God says, when I bless it, look out. When you bring it to me and let me bless it and send you out with it, it's enough to get the job done. Can you say amen? We look at ourselves and say, man, I got limited resources and my needs are overwhelming. What can I do? Jesus says, you know what you can do? You can bring it to me so I can bless it. Then you can go forward in confidence and expectation knowing that once I bless it, little is much. Little is much when God is in it. Give your little to God and watch how he uses your life. Watch how he'll flow through your life. Watch how he'll take what little you have to bless your world. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah, faithful minister, a faithful minister. Glory be to God. And when we minister, let us never forget it is a privilege to serve the Lord. Privilege, privilege, privilege. And it is a responsibility. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I talked to a brother earlier before service. He said, you know, Pastor God remembers, I thought he said his promises, but he meant our promises. So I was going down the road, yeah, God remembers his promises. No, 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 he says, God remembers the promises we make to him. I said, ooh, yeah. I said, I think about that every time I do a baby dedication. How many stand up there and make a promise and then don't keep it? But a lot of people make promises to God. 
And God bails them out of one mess. God bails them out of another. And then they forget. God's not as forgetful as we are. Don't know how I got down that road, but I got there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm, 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 mm. It's our responsibility in our lifetime, in our homes, and in the congregation God has placed us to be faithful. I can't, I can't be responsible for the generation 300 years ago. I wasn't there. I'm not going to be around 100 years from now. But right now, I'm responsible to do my part in the place God put me. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Let me get back to my notes. We've got a lot more to preach today. Glory to God. 1 Peter 4 and 10. Here's our verse. Here's our verse for this first point. Here's our, here's our supporting verse that you can write down and remember. Peter says, each one, that's every one. Each one means each one. Amen. All of us. God talking to all of us now. You're not just talking to your neighbors. Talking to you. Isn't that right? Each one should what? Should use, not compare, not, not moan that it's, I wish it was this and wish it was that. Amen. Isn't that right? Now don't, don't, don't stop praying about a gift you don't have. Use the one you do got. How about that? Amen. And we've all been there. I know we, we've all been there. Lord, I'd like that one. God will use what you got. Amen. Just, just enough of that nonsense, son. All right. Yes, Lord. Each one should use whatever gift, whatever gift it is. Different gifts. Prophetic gifts. Teaching gifts. Gifts of giving and just showing compassion. Some people got hearts that are so big. They make me feel guilty. Their, their hearts are just so big. How they love people and give to others. Amen? Isn't that right? And some are just so, so, so have a, a kindness to help. They have the gift of helps tenfold. And they can tire you out just seeing. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Man, some of a love for children. You say, my Lord, have mercy. I'd need five gifts to, to, you know, to be with the kids that much. You know what I mean? But you, you, you look at, oh, each one should use whatever gift you have received. What are we supposed to do with it? Serve others. How about that? Serve others. Amen? I mean, some of them card-writing ministries are beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? And did you ever get a card at the right time just when you needed to get a card with a scripture in it? Oh, and you thank God that someone had enough time to actually, actually write something. You know, not just whatever this is. Actually, actually write something and put a scripture on there. Amen. Hallelujah. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Lord, make me a blessing to others. Lord, help me to touch others in your name. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Isn't that beautiful? There's so many different ways we can bless others. So you be you. Just be the best you. And use the gifts that God has given you and use them for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, we got to keep going now. We got to keep going. I got, I'm speeding this thing up. Number two, it was a good report. Number one was a faithful minister. Our second point, and I'll make this second point real quick. It was a good report. Paul received that good report, verses 6 through 9. Remember, he sent Timothy because Paul got chased away. The riot came, made a run for their lives, and these young Christians had to stand on their own without pastors, without apostles. Finally, he couldn't stand it any longer, and he sent Timothy. You've got to check and see how they are. You've got to see. I'm concerned about them. Verse 6, but Timothy has just now come to us from you. Timothy got back. 
And he brought good news about your faith and love. Hallelujah. He told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live. I like that. Now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you and return to all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? You got a good report back. He was concerned about them. You ever get concerned about someone that go off to college or they go off into the military and you're concerned about their faith, amen? You're concerned about how their walk with God is. Maybe they marry and they move to another state for a job and, you know, your heart says, Lord, yeah, get a good church, get a good church. You're praying for them. This is kind of the thing Paul is feeling right here. And he, he's, he's so happy that the, the young church was unmoved by the afflictions, unshaken by the detractors. And they stood, they stood, and nothing blesses the preacher more than knowing your people are standing. Hell's throwing the kitchen sink, but they keep standing and singing and marching on with Jesus. Timothy finally returns from Thessalonica, and he's got the opposite report of what Paul had feared. And the good news greatly encourages Paul, and it moves him to thanksgiving, it moves him to prayer. The church was standing firm in their faith. The word standing firm, it's a military term for a group that stands firm in the face of the enemy and refuses to retreat. And Paul says, I love it. I mean, the whole place went against you. The whole city was a riot and an uproar. They persecuted you. They imprisoned you. They attacked you, but you didn't back up. You stood firm in your faith, and you would not deny Jesus, and you would not deny serving Jesus. Beautiful thing. And then he says, secondly, not only were you standing firm in faith, you were standing firm in your love. That's a wonderful thought. Your love for Christ, your love for each other, and your love for those that haven't even come. The love for those that are persecuting and coming against you. They continue to minister and meet the needs of others. Paul receives a good report. Now, because of time, I just want to get through that one. Now, number three, an inspiring prayer. An inspiring prayer. Number one, a faithful minister. Number two, there was a good report. Number three, an inspiring prayer. Go ahead and look if you would. At verse 10, and Paul writes, you know, night and day, we pray most earnestly that we might see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father, when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Wow, an inspiring prayer. As we said earlier, in the word of God, we read many prayers. And when we read these prayers, especially the ones in Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, sometimes I catch myself saying, oh Lord, we pray for so many things and we got many, many needs. But sometimes we fail to pray the prayers you put in scripture. But the prayers in scripture are the ones that God really emphasizes, really shows us the, the priority of God's heart for his people. And we see that in this prayer. So one way that we can thank God for people is to pray for them. One of the ways we show our appreciation is praying one for another. And Paul gives us a pattern here how we can pray one for another. For example, in verses 9 and verses 10, Paul's going to pray thankfully 
And Paul's going to pray joyfully. It's right there in verse 9, verse 9. For now we really live. No, verse 9, how we thank God. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? When we pray one for another, friends, let's be thankful one for another. Oh, that's important. Let's, Paul gives thanks for them and all the good that God has done in them and God's doing through them. I think that's a good place to start. I think when we see others that are so faithful, when we see others that God is working in their lives, let's appreciate what God is doing and what God has done in the lives of others. Let's express that. Lord, Lord, I thank you for Sister Amy, how she knocks it out of the park each Sunday, how she prepares so faithfully for those children. If you ever walk over there, you see every week it's prepared. Every week you might think it's VBS, but it's the whole place prepared. But she's, she's faithfully ministering, amen? And we see others. You know, I know um, Beverly, she's sneaking up here on Wednesday. She's preparing all week long for those kids. I mean, as soon as we had a need for a Sunday school teacher, man, she was right there to Pastor Todd saying, Pastor Todd's tying me up. I loved And oh, I know she's up there getting ready. And get, that's a beautiful thing, amen? You know, the bias has been running with the youth ministry now for these last six or seven months. And, and I, I get feedback from my boys, and it's so good to hear what they're doing and the topics they're discussing. But the good thing is sometimes it's possible, Lord, I want to thank you. Lord, I want to thank you. I thank you for, for how you're using so-and-so. I thank you for Sister So-and-so, how she stands up and she's so faithful. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you. Lord, we saw, we saw how Jordan got baptized a couple weeks ago. Lord, I want to thank you for what you're doing in that young man's life. Lord, I want to thank you that you're answering prayers and you're really, you're bringing him to a place where he's being bold for you now, Lord. He's standing up publicly and he's being baptized. And, and Paul said, we all thank God for each other and what God is doing in each other's lives. Can you say amen? Thankful and he's joyful. I love that. You know, heaven rejoices when good things get going. Amen. Heaven rejoices when souls come. Heaven rejoices when people come back to Christ. Let's rejoice when others are blessed. Let's rejoice when we hear a testimony. Let's rejoice when we see others that God is beginning to use and they're stepping out in faith and maybe doing something for the first time. When someone's achieving, let's be happy with and for others. Again, we should rejoice. We see others getting baptized. Oh, we see others getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, praise God, they got filled. We hear someone has a good testimony. They're stepping out and they're serving God in a new way. Here's a verse for us all to remember, Romans 12 and 15. Romans 12 and 15. Because if we're going to pray one for another, let's be thankful and joyful for the body of Christ. And the Bible teaches us to rejoice with those that rejoice. Isn't that pretty good? Amen. You know, you know in, this, in this context, it's easy to get selfish when there's pressure and persecution. But Paul is recognizing, you know, this group was so loving one another and supporting one another. And it's so easy to get caught up in our own welfare and our own needs. Because we all got needs. Do we not? Come on. Amen. I got needs. You got needs. You got financial needs. I got financial. You got physical needs. I got, you got kids and grand. I got, you know, we all, we all got needs. Amen. And it's very easy just to get very insulated and, and stuck on ourselves. But we're not ourselves. We're part of the family of God, aren't we? And we're part of a specific body that he's placed us in for such a time as this. And I think it's important that one way to pray and appreciate, Lord, I want to thank you for so-and-so. I want to thank you, brother and sister so-and-so. They're so faithful. They come out and they always have the joy of the Lord on them. They come out and they always got a word of encouragement. Lord, I want to thank you for sister so-and-so. She's always in the back. She's always got things taken care of. Always make sure it's done before. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you for how you work in that couple's life. 
I want to thank you for what you've done in that young believer's life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I give re- I'm rejoicing with them. Someone gave a testimony. I'm going to rejoice with them. Just like it was my own mother giving that testimony. Amen? Just like it was my own son that was giving that testimony. I want to rejoice with them. So we, we pray thankfully and joyfully. We rejoice with those that rejoice and we mourn with those that mourn. We weep with those that go through it. Because we should have a love and compassion one for another. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? And we stand with one another. But when something good happens, there's no jealousy in the family. Amen? When something good happens, we're not saying, why not me? No, we're saying, Lord, thank you that you're working in that life. Thank you that you're answering their prayers. Let's move on. And not only does he pray thankfully and joyfully, he prays continually. Look at verse 10. He says, day and night I'm praying. That speaks of a consistent praying for the body of Christ. A consistent praying for our brothers and sisters. A disciplined prayer. You know, the Bible says, be devoted to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That means, I don't want to just wait for the wheels to fall off before I start praying, amen? I want to make it just part of my daily thing. I want want to pray for the family of God. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters. I want to pray for those that are serving in various capacities. Day and night, day and night, they're committed to pray one for another. You can be out of sight, but you're not out of prayer. You can be out of sight, but you never be out of my prayers. We pray about that. I tell the Tuesday group, sometimes when we're praying, I say, listen, just pray for the people that sit by you. Pray for the people, let's pray for the family of God. Pray for those that sit by you. Even if you don't know their names, just pray for them. Just whoever they are. Lord, that young couple with the kids. Lord, that, 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 that one lady, that, whatever, just pray. It's nice to pray for other people. I can appeal to our selfish motivations. You might need prayer sometime. And the Bible does teach about sowing and reaping, does it not? You practice praying for others, and your account will be full when you need that prayer. It's amazing how God will put you on someone's heart. It's just wonderful. Amen? It's wonderful to tap into kingdom principles. They work, folks. They work. I'll tell you that. All right. Continually. Now, night and day points to the extreme frequency of his prayers. While, look at verse 10, most earnestly refers to the intensity of those prayers. Because not only does he pray thankfully, joyfully, continually, he prays fervently for them. Check that out in verse 10. Night and day we pray most earnestly. Wow. Most earnestly. The New King James would say exceedingly. You know, it says exceedingly, abundantly, exceedingly. Over, and it gives an effort. He prayed. He didn't just say prayers. He prayed. And he prayed with a spiritual effort, a spiritual sincerity and energy and intensity. You know, true prayer, real prayer, Bible prayer, takes effort. And sometimes it's hard work. Amen? And in case you don't believe me, let's look at a scripture together. Colossians 4 and 12. Colossians 4 and 12. Because he prayed fervently. You know, some have come out of backgrounds where you said prayers, but you really didn't pray. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Colossians 4 and 12. A papyrus who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends his greeting. Check this out how the Bible describes his praying. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Isn't that interesting? Come on. I know some probably never read that or never realized that's in there. God describes prayer. This is God now. Not a crazy Pentecostal, not an overly zealous, you know, preacher. God describes effective prayer. Epaphras, one of you, 
sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer. Now, your new King James would say he's always laboring fervently. Laboring. He's working. Hey, there's some work in praying through. Amen. There's some work in, in, in breaking holes of hell. There's some work in praying prayers that will see demons broke down and divine life and resurrection imparted. He, he's laboring fervently with energy, earnestly. He's putting his heart into it. That word wrestling. See, that comes from the Greek family of words where we get agonized. It's agonizo. He's wrestling. There's like an agonizing in his brain. He's praying. That's praying. Amen? That's praying. Now somebody, I'm, I'm sure he's doing it in private. Somebody might see it and say, well, I'm not into that. Well, you're not into Bible praying. Then I'm saying it's in the Bible. You say, ouch, say amen, but I'm here to give you the Bible. Amen? I, 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 I got problems with a lot of traditions, even Pentecostal traditions. If they're binding God's people and keeping God's people from the truth of God's word, they're fair game. Somebody say amen. That's all. I'm just saying it again. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. He's praying earnestly, and he's praying specifically. I love this. He ain't just praying some general prayer. He's saying, oh, he's praying that you're going to stand firm in all the will of God, and you're going to grow up and be mature and have a full assurance and confidence in the Lord. That's pretty good, amen? Most of us are familiar with James when James talks about that old prophet Elijah. Remember that? And what's it say about Elijah? The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Isn't that right? What kind of prayer? Not the now I lay me down to sleep deal. The fervent, the energetic, sincere, earnest prayer of a righteous man. Man, it's powerful and effective. It brings results. God says when you pray, pray like you mean it. When you pray, I never hear Brother Shambach those great crusades and the crowds would come and sometimes hundreds would be getting saved in a night and it was time to pray and then he'd tell the audience, now I want you to pray for them. Pray like they're yours son and your daughter pray like they're your very own grandchild and i never forgot that amen when i pray for people i try to imagine I'm, that's like my praying for my own mother that's like praying for my own dad that's like praying for my own child you know i pray for the young but i pray like they're mine so you have a sincerity and earnestness in your heart isn't that right because when it's someone else it's easy just to say a prayer but when it's yours my lord whoo not ashamed to see someone hear me wrestle when it's my own. Isn't that right? When my own gets a bad report. When I get that, my wife gets a bad report. Oh, no, I don't care who hears what or who what you think. You can keep your pious self to yourself, but I'm going to cry out to God because I need a healing. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need a deliverance. I better move on. It's too easy for me to play with this. Last prayer. Talking about prayer. Prayer, not, not just emotional, carnal demonstrativeness, but spiritual earnestness, spiritual energy and sincerity. He prayed earnestly for them. Paul prayed and meant business when he prayed for them. That's prayers to see answers. Now he prayed thankfully and joyfully. He prayed continually. He, he was devoted and consistent in the prayer. He prayed fervently. He prayed with energy. He prayed with sincerity. But he prayed specifically. And this is what we see when we study the prayers. Praying with Paul. You study the various prayers that the Holy Spirit had him record. But here, he prays specifically. 
In verse 10, he says, number one, I, I want to see you, and I want to help you. Two prayers. He goes, I want to come back and see you again. Because there's more I need to pour into your life. There's more I want to pour into my, your life. Again, many prayers recorded in the scriptures, and we should learn from them, specifically the things God finds most important. But here's Paul. He says, I want to help you. Number one, in inspiring prayer, God's will, verse 10, that their faith might mature. Paul says, listen, I want to get to you that I might supply what's lacking in your faith. Because we haven't arrived yet, and there's more you need. There's things you need. Paul wanted to teach and instruct this group more. He says, My, I'm burdened to see you get deeper. I'm burdened to see you overcome the challenges that, are, that are, you're wrestling with. I'm burdened to see you break through into a steadier, more mature place in Christ. I'm burdened. I want to get to you. I've got more I can teach you. I've got more I can pour into you. I've got more I can, I can reveal to you if you give me some time. Infants aren't meant to stay infants. Can you say amen? And any preacher that can be happy with a 15-minute ditty, he's not much of anything. I know, I know in this day of age. I know, I, I, know, I got this from Brother Simbla, so you can blame him. You, you know, we want to get out of church. Don't preach more than 30 minutes so you can sit and watch a stupid football game for three hours. You wonder why your life falls apart. Give God the same time you give the NFL, and you might see some more victory. Come on, say amen. I'm feeling this all over me now. Isn't that right? Paul says, I got an among my earnest. I want to supply what's lacking in your faith. And that's why the preacher sometimes goes, I got something to give you. Because this stuff is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. And I want to see you make it. I want to see your kid make it. I don't want to lie about your children one day and say they made it when they didn't. And so we're going to see, we got to get serious with God. And if we're going to get serious with God, we need to know that word of God. We've got to study that word. We've got to be equipped with that word. We need to be fed with that word. We need to say, oh God, enlarge in us. We can go to Fred's and go around the block three times. Feed, feed, feed. When it comes to spiritual things, just give me one of those little, one of those little things, those little fishes that you don't cook. What are they called? No. What are those things, those little fishes? You don't, you don't cook them though? No, them other things. In the, in the, no, uh-uh, come on, come on, we're going to get the infrareds. Where do we go? What's that thing? Japanese thing. What's that thing called? Sushi! You know, some people in the natural, man, they can eat and eat and eat. They fill that plate 17 times. When it comes to the spiritual things, give me two little sushis and I'm filled. Gotta go. You heard me out there. Oh, Lord, I'm feeling this, brother. I got a new lease on life. No sense in wasting this, brother. I'm feeling good. I'm saying that's what Paul says. Paul says, I'm burdened, man. He says, I'm praying night and day. I'm not praying just that, you know, you'll get a better car, that you get a bigger house. He says, I'm praying that I can see you and put something in you, something eternal, something divine. I want to pour in what's lacking in your faith because you're not there yet, but I want you to get there. You haven't gotten there yet, but by the grace of God, you can get there, but you'll need the word of the Lord to do it. Hallelujah. That their faith, I'm going to stay down here so we don't go for an hour, that their faith might mature. That's God's will. You'll see that over and over again. We pray for one another, Lord, help their faith to mature. That's why when we see someone going forward with water baptism, when we see someone making a step of devotion and commitment, it thrills our heart. Because they're maturing. They're going forward. Amen?
They're not just talking about a head knowledge. They're giving more of themselves and their faithfulness and commitment to God. So number one, he prays that their faith might mature. When we pray, we want to help their faith to grow. Don't care if they said the sinner's prayer at BBS when they were eight years old. They're 28 now. Give them an encounter with you that they'll set the world on fire. Give them an encounter with you that we're going to get convicted when we get around them because they're going to get so sold out. Anybody with me? All right. And that their love would abound, that their love, in verse 12, that their love would abound, that your love would increase and abound. Isn't that beautiful? Let's pray one for Lord, help our love to grow. God is love. For God so loved the world. Isn't that right? You want a peace and unity in the congregation? Let's love one another. You want a peace and unity in the home? Let's love one another. And if we study it out, he says, I want, I want your love for God to grow. Amen? But I want your love for the brethren to grow. But don't stop there. I want your love for those that are outside the family to grow. Give us a love for the unsaved. Give us a love for those that are messed up. Give us a love for those that are, that, that are lost like Jesus loves them. Come on, say amen. When they ask the Lord, well, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, might, and strength, and love your as your Lord, help us to love you more. Help us to love one another more. Help us to love those that are even beyond the family of God more. Amen? And that's something you've got to pray about because in our natural man, our natural fallen man is very selfish. Isn't that right? And our natural man, right? Us four are no more. <laughs> you know that, right? I mean, we, we don't, we don't got to, you know. But we say, Lord, give me your heart. I'm going to love the family of God like you do. Help me to love these other kids like I love my very own. Help me to love these people that you see that are so whacked out, so lost. That if I didn't believe in miracles, I wouldn't believe there was a hope for them. But I know a God of miracles, so I know there's a hope for them. Help me to love them. Help me to love them. Amen? And then here's one more. It's right there, though. It's right there. And again, because of time's sake, I'm not going to expound. Look at verse 13. He prays that they would be blameless and holy until the coming of the Lord. How should we pray one for another? How do you pray for a young Christian? Lord, help them to keep living holy and faithful till they finish their race and see you face to face. Amen? In your devotional time, read through that verse 13. That was Paul's prayer. And I pray that you would remain blameless and you would live holy until the coming of the Lord. That you would increase in these things. What a prayer. Lord, help the young Christian to live it out and finish. Let this not just be a fad. Let them keep growing and walking with you until the day they see you face to face. Come on, say amen. Lord, Lord, let this be something more than just till they get out of the jam that they're in. Let this be something that'll get stronger and brighter and more beautiful all the days of their life. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah encourage you in your devotional time, verses 12 and 13. God wants us to pray for an increasing love. God wants us to pray for a continual purity, holiness of our lives. That we would live blameless until we see him face to face. We're not bailing out. We're going to finish strong for the glory of God. Can you say amen? But he wants us to pray one for another. So that's what I want to do. If you have a special need, we would love to pray with you. Or if you just want to come and pray, you can. But if not, as the singers sing, would you mind praying 
for those around you. Now, if you don't know them, please don't touch them. So I said, you know, preacher, you got to preach a sermon and do a little ground rules at the same time. If you know, sometimes if you don't know someone, they don't want you touching them. That's all right. That's all right. You respect one another. Amen. Now, I know half of you are related, so if you want to lay your hands on Uncle, Uncle so-and-so, go ahead. He don't mind you laying hands on his shoulder and praying for him. You know, you know that. I, you know what I'm saying. But, you know, I'm just saying sometimes a stranger comes in and someone gets a little exuberant and the poor thing, they get scared to death. You know, I'm just, can we be honest? Because I want us to do this. I, I don't, see, if we can't be, have practical things in line, it hinders spiritual things. Amen? But I didn't get to spend as much time as I'd like uh, on the, the inspiring prayer part, but Paul wants the church to pray for each other. God to pray one for another. We're part of family, aren't we? And we should love one another and support one, be thankful. Maybe you can look around and pray for someone, just thank God for someone. Maybe you know someone, how they're serving, and just thank God for them. Maybe you can remember someone's testimony and just be joyful for them. But above all, just pray for them. Pray, pray for some people around you. Go ahead, musicians. Yeah, go ahead, musicians. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then they're going to sing. And if you need special prayer for yourself, that's okay. But if not, would you mind? Even if it's just husband and wives, pray one for another. Thank God for one another. Man, you got a good spouse. You got gold, man. You got gold. Amen? I'm telling you. You get the right, you get the right one, it'll heaven on earth. I'm telling you. Isn't that right, Jerry? You better say right. She's watching. You better say right. You got this, man. Maybe a strong amen right there. She's looking right. You're looking right now. But now you'll go ahead. I mean, go pray. If you're here, if your mom's here, go pray for mom. But I mean, bless one another. Give God thanks one for another. We're in this thing together, folks. We're not here by accident. There's a zillion churches around here. We could all be somewhere else. I could be somewhere else. You could be somewhere else. But for this time, this dotted eternity. We're here, and this is the family that God has given us to worship with and to walk with. So let's support one another, love one another. I'm going to pray a prayer. When I'm done, if you need special prayer, you can come, but if not, just pray. Pray one for another. Like I said, if you know them and you want to hold their hand, you know, guy and guy, girl and girl, that's fine. But if you don't, that's all right. You can just stand back and say, Lord, bless my brother, bless my sister. Amen? And we give thanks for people like Jordan. Been so good seeing how far Jordan's come these last. I mean, just isn't that right? Amen. That true? Isn't that beautiful? I, I watched it. I watched it from home. You know, and they sent me the thing. I watched it at home as I was laid up. I watched it. I just rejoiced. Rejoiced. Pastor Todd took him down. He went from the little one. He went from went from Mary's granddaughter Jordan. He went from the little. He, you got to be ready for all sizes. I mean, he got it all. I want to pray this prayer. They'll sing and then pray one for another. Always remember, someone, we're always going through stuff. And we can always use a prayer of love and compassion and support. And I think in our humanness, we all like being appreciated. Isn't that true? So thank the Lord for your brother and sister. Thank the Lord. Father, we pray blessing upon our brothers and sisters this morning. And we thank you for them, and we ask you, Lord, to continue to use their lives just like you've been. And Lord, I pray that if anyone here has come with special needs this morning, meet their needs by your mighty power. 
and bless my brothers and sisters in their home life, in their physical life, and in their ministry. And I thank you, Lord, for the so many, many ministries that are represented here. Different shapes and different flavors. But, oh God, some have hearts as big as all get out. They love and they give. Others are so faithful. They're so faithful they can be counted on others, Lord. They got such gifts that they use for your glory and they bless us with. Father God, bless your dear people. Bless them in their home life. Bless them in their physical bodies. And bless them and continue to bless them in their ministries. And let each one that is here this morning know a good measure of your peace, of your wisdom, and of your divine favor in this coming week. And now, Father, as we pray one for another, use us to bless and give thanks for our brothers and our sisters in Jesus' name. Go ahead and pray for someone around you. Just thank the Lord for them. Go ahead, lift your arm towards them. Bless.